0: She's coming back this weekend, uh, and I've got to make um, my world-famous uh, baked mac and cheese. Uh, <laughs> got to love
1: how that works, right? It's like, that's the cost of admission. If if you want her to come back home, it's got to be like food-driven. Oh, are the exact all- same way with my parents.
0: <laughs> she's all take. Hey, folks. Gavin Roth here with another episode of the Influencers of Sponsorship Marketing. Sponsored by the program, your guide to finding and watching women's sports online and on television. Subscribe to the weekly newsletter at theprogram.substack.com. Adam Mitchell is the kind of person who swings into action when he isn't happy about something he resented the fact that over $100 was being spent on sponsorship globally without a reliable common currency. That's what inspired him and his colleagues to start SponsorPulse. Adam's journey included stops at Labac, Kraft, and CBC, all preparing him for the role he's in today as CEO of a leading consumer insights firm. Accordingly, this episode is loaded with insights and perspectives. How consumer data, determining what consumers really care about, is a great equalizer. How data supports the strength of the national women's soccer team in Canada. A unique view on how to structure long-term partnership deals. How properties are adopting a deeper commitment to insights-driven selling. The risk of value banks. And how cause properties deliver exceptional brand impact and ROI to their partners. Adam also shares trends that are catching his eye and great professional development advice around personal values and the perils of spending too much time on LinkedIn. You'll leave informed and inspired. I hope you enjoy. And for more episodes of the Influencers of Sponsorship Marketing, follow me on LinkedIn, visit Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, or check out rothrevenue.com. Uh, listen, great to chat with you. And I, you know, we've we've kind of circled each other, uh, you know, over the years, but uh, haven't really had a chance to fully sit down. And and when I look at your background, it's it's tremendous. You've got, you know, uh, uh, the the packaged goods uh, side of things, and and you've got the beer. Uh, you 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 know, I, I see a bunch of gum, a bunch of beer. Then, then somehow, and some coffee in there, which is very yeah. interesting. And then, you you know, the CBC thing with sports marketing, and then it seemed from there, um, you've you've gotten into this world of insights and research and measurement. So, just love to start by, hey, saying thanks and um, take 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 me through that yeah. journey. Yeah.
1: Well, thanks for having me. Um, and it's great to uh, to finally sit down and chat. Um I think I, w- I was just very fortunate. I think it's a it's a funny thing when you look back to university, and I don't I don't, I hope it's not entirely the same as it was when I was there, but uh, I remember being in university and they were like you you're in business school, you have four paths. You're either going to go and be uh, in finance. You're going to be a consultant. You're going to be an accountant or a marketer. Uh, and I was not good with numbers, so I was certainly not going to be the first three. And marketing was just kind of like, well, that that's interesting to me, and uh, and kind of worked out. So I, I was lucky to fall into some some great uh, some great roles and uh, and meet some incredible people who have, who are still great friends today through my time at Cad. What was Cadbury? and then craft foods. And then, I mean, I was 23 or something and, you know, a beer job is kind of like the perfect, uh, the perfect storm, so to speak. Mm. So, so jumped at that. And then, uh, and then obviously through that experience, learned a ton about uh, marketing, but also about like partnership. I mean, sponsorships and partnerships were a core element of everything that, that I did on the brand side and that I was exposed to. Um, and then my career by happenstance ended up uh, in the world of uh, of sport partnerships and, and media at CBC and working on the Olympics. And I think like through all of those experiences, partnerships were just kind of core to, to what we were doing is how do we find, uh, you know, the opportunity to make one one equal four or five or six, depending on who we were working with um, and uh, and really striking that fine balance to make sure that there's a way to um, to leverage the properties or the brands that we were working with or working for um, to connect with people. Uh, and I thought that, that was a, a really interesting uh, and exciting part of of uh, of the marketing space and marketing world. Um, I think the, the the, kind of how we came to be, or I never thought I was. As I said, I was not necessarily a big. But well, that, that's guy. what makes me laugh.
0: <laughs> given what you're you're doing, yeah,
1: a, it doesn't really make any sense. Is what I'll say. Yeah. Um, I never, I never thought I'd find myself necessarily in the in the the data and insights space. That said, all my experiences made it very like abundantly clear that uh, insights were always like the key. Right? It's like how do we get on the same page? How do we like level the playing field? Put our swords away? Negotiate a deal that makes sense for everybody um not just ask for what we think that we can get out of you and there's a lot of that that still happens to this day um but i think that that consumer data truly for for at least from my perspective is like the great equalizer um it's not necessarily the great equalizer for every single category or every single sponsorship there's always exceptions to the rule and things get more complex obviously as as time goes on but um, but like, let's put our swords away. Let's ignore all the noise that's in the market. Let's ignore the fact that the only thing that the news talks about is the new shiny toy, whether it's the metaverse or whether it's the 700, $800 million deal. Like, let's just focus on what the consumers care about. And if that makes sense for the brand, makes sense for the property, we should be able to get to a place where a deal makes sense and everybody's gonna win. Um, and that was really like the impetus for, for creating uh, Sponsor Pulse. Um, I had a conversation with uh, with Don Mayo, who's uh, who runs and uh, is the owner of, of IMI International, who's our parent company um, about four years ago or so. And we both just like had a, a mutual um, uh, resentment, maybe, for for the fact that there for, was never for each other. Yeah, yeah. Well, that oh, too. That, that's yeah, developed that over too. time. yeah <laughs> That's developed over time. No, but uh, but like we just we couldn't believe that an industry that's seeing this kind of growth, um, that's now you know over 100 billion dollars spent globally in sponsorship, and there was never a currency, a common currency that that's people it. could could rely on, and it was like that common currency piece was what we both just were like, yes, that's that's a massive opportunity. Uh, for somebody to tackle globally. And and there's a couple of giants out there that play in the space, but um, you know, when you're a giant, it's tough to, tough to be agile, tough to be nimble, tough to adapt. And a lot of them are doing a lot more than just sponsorship. Uh, so we wanted to come in and, and try to tackle that problem head on.
0: Right, right. And and yeah, it escaped me. And as you said it, it I kind of went back to how IMI uh, is is a part of it. But when I reached out, you know, Sponsor Pulse just kept popping up. I, I get asked the question over and over again, where uh, I do, as I said to you before we started, uh, a lot of coaching and, and training and, and the executives are asking more and more, uh, where do I find insights? You know, how do I uh, learn about what's going on? And And I point them to companies like yours because you guys put out interesting reports as well, you don't just work for brands and properties, you put out content, which is a smart way of obviously marketing. Um, so it sounds, you know, and what struck me with that journey is you can't work at Kraft and Cadbury, what's it, Mondelez now? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Heinz, Mondelez, yeah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can't work there or Labatt and not um, get a masterclass in, in in the importance of data and 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 insights, right? I mean, those those are are tier one packaged goods companies, and and uh, it's a lot of insights driven marketing, right? So you yeah. must have just really got a wonderful foundation.
1: I would say, um, you know, Labatt, I owe a ton of credit to uh, because of what I learned in my time there. Um, my Plus
0: uh, a street cred I mean, yeah when, there's that your in your early 19. 20s yeah, and you're exactly. work, and I, you're I made a lot of friends
1: popular. yeah yes. everybody wanted a free beer or a free case of beer or a ticket to an event but no but yeah. i do remember despite all the fun you know uh when we get our brand performance tracking results like we would all sit at our computers just waiting to see the results come in and it was like it was like a ritual. Uh, It was like once a month, we were staying up late in the night to ensure that our reports were done and that we knew what was happening with our brand health and whether it was moving up, down, sideways, and that we had answers for why. Uh, And I think they also, you know, they, at that time, like, kind of built this, um, built this marketing team around the premise of, like, you're, yes, there's, there's such a thing as marketing intuition and gut, but, like, don't be bringing your gut into every conversation and every discussion. Like you better have facts and data and insight to support why you think we should be doing something or not. Um, And I totally agree. I think it's, you know, there's definitely an element of gut and intuition and marketing and everything in life. But, um, but at the end of the day, like you're trying to connect with millions of people um, and make them feel a certain way uh, or associate some certain feelings towards your brand. And, if you don't have data and insight guiding you then you're lost um you're awesome. never going to know whether it's working or not and i think uh they uh, I, th- I i imagine still uh, are certainly enforcing and building on that uh, that general kind of premise and approach to to marketing and you can see it by you know, the quality of uh, of the brands that they've built and the the marketing and the different unique things that they put out there um across the uh, across the landscape
0: The I want to pick on before we talk a little bit more about what you're doing at Sponsor Pulse because I want you to break that down more for the listeners. Is is uh we share some common um a common aspect of your path which is your work on the Olympics and you know you'll see over my my shoulder the that picture of the the Golden Goal and and the 2010 Games and you were there a few years later at CBC when the, the rights went back to CBC where they have belonged and and are in great hands for you know most of the Olympics we we watch talk about what your your role was and maybe some of your experience there
1: yeah I mean it's it's a funny it's funny how the world works right I think it's um, I've always tried to just uh, if you look at my resume it, it looks like I have uh the inability to hold a job uh so i i'll call that out as what it is um obviously if, if we're ever hiring i never look down on people who move around but um but i think it was just you know there were just a time and a place and and great opportunity one of my mentors and great friends mike armstrong um who's now uh, the cmo at juventus and it's an incredible success story one of the smartest mm-hmm. and best people uh, i know uh, on this earth will be will
0: be a future guest Uh, oh good good yeah yeah yeah. he's
1: definitely he's i'm sure he's got lots of stories to share Mm -hmm. um but he he ended up at cbc working with another great friend and mentor jim kozak uh Mm -hmm. and they kind of just were looking to fill a role and i was like yeah the opportunity to work on the olympics learn more about the media side um i'm a passionate canadian and uh have always loved the olympics it was just kind of perfect time and opportunity to jump at uh, and then through transition of you know them each taking other roles, we were able to kind of build up our team and uh, and work through the the Rio uh, and Pyeongchang games and uh, like what an incredible experience to work with brands on like such a an emotive and uh, a massive event for for all uh, Canadians and also for people around the world. Uh, but it was pretty interesting and exciting to like work towards that you always have that milestone or that next milestone, yes. for the next game. So it was really interesting. You know, you go through like planning on the brand side and you're like, all right, one year plan three your plan. All right, let's do one year plan three your plan again. Whereas with the Olympics it was like, there is a massive event that the entire world is waiting for to watch. Uh, and it was great to be able to tie up every Olympic edition with a bow and then move on to the next learn, evolve, change. Um there was a lot of that, especially with you know the arrival of streaming uh, giants throughout that time uh, with the changes and the evolution of social channels as like mm. new forms of content distribution and ways to engage Canadians with the Olympics. So uh, an amazing experience, incredible people. Um, a lot of people I'm still uh, very close to. So good, uh, good. it was pretty, pretty unique.
0: Yeah. And, and Rio was interesting because at that time I was at Golf Canada and heading up sales and marketing there, and and golf returned to the games in Rio, and it was uh, a landmark, uh, you know, opportunity for the sport. I was very tied to at that time, so very uh, remember that time fondly. I mean, it was all Zika, Zika, Zika. Yeah. But, but it all, it, it as always, there's always a some narrative. Yep. And then the games happen, and then everybody just gets completely consumed.
1: Right. No major event is without its drama. Um, there's always something yeah, World right? Cups, right yep. yeah, yeah, always
0: and 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 I'm sure the World Cup will become a big part of your narrative and your world uh, at sponsor pulse, you know as we transition from Qatar to North America um, in twenty twenty six, right?
1: Yeah, it's been exciting. I mean, it's been really interesting to watch um, the growth of soccer in Canada. Um, obviously, you know, everybody's been keeping, I think, a very close eye on how it's growing um, and how the beautiful game is coming to uh, to this country in a big way. Um, and, uh, yeah, no, we've had the opportunity to work with brands and properties that um, that obviously represent or that are getting active in this space. And uh, it's incredibly exciting. Um, I think it's uh, it's also kind of a bit of a, like, let's also remember that we've had an incredibly competitive and phenomenal women's national team for, for years and years and years. Um, so let's oh, yeah. make sure that, let's make sure. And I mean, you know, the FIFA Women's World Cup is uh, not even it's six can- months away. So, it's Canada.
0: It's Canada. So, the women have always shown the yeah, way so, but in it, sports here, right?
1: It, totally. But I think it's yeah. uh, it's those interesting things that, you know, as interest... The news cycle definitely helps dictate interest and performance is a huge component of that, of course. With Canada yeah. making the men's team making it for, you know, the first time uh, in a long time, but um, but it's also like let's not forget the fundamentals of like we have an incredible uh, women's team, incredible personalities um, that uh, doing a lot of good on the on the pitch and off the pitch. Um, and there's a major global event coming up where Canada is truly going to shine um, again, okay, awesome. because like the insights show us that the women's team performs stronger than the men's team on just about every key health metric there is. Love it. um, so it's great to see that there's money pouring into the men's soccer team. Don't get me wrong, but yeah. um, but like, let's not forget where the roots are and who's been building soccer yeah. in Canada truly yeah. for decades said
0: so what does uh, you get brand you work with brands and properties that sponsor paul's what does a brand come to you and 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 ask for uh, and, yeah. and maybe that's not the way to frame it but but uh, you know i want to tackle it that way and then what is a property what are they totally. thinking about
1: yeah i think it's a great question so uh, our whole premise was we don't want to just serve one because that's what the problem with our industry is You get people either only serving properties or only serving brands or only serving agencies and then the next thing you know is everybody has a bias naturally to the way that they're providing data or advising on data Um, so a huge part of our approach is that like everything is transparent through and through we work with brands properties and agencies they come to us for some of the similar reasons some different reasons but everything that we do is truly transparent i think you know we're not necessarily revolutionizing market research or the way that we connect with and speak with and survey consumers. That's not the point. What we're trying to revolutionize and evolve is the way in which that business model is done, because insights have been forever known to be time-consuming, costly, and then you never really know um, if you're looking at the same data um, with the people that you're sitting across the table from. And so having one consistent, reliable, transparent source of credible data um, to govern and to help you move forward allows you to make decisions uh, a hell of a lot faster and with confidence as opposed to making decisions either with no fact no insight as you know the industry has been known to do for a long time Or being paralyzed by the fact that there's way too much insight uh, out there, way too much data to not even really know how to drown it out and focus on, you know, the important piece in front of you. Um, We kind of work full funnel. So uh, the data that we collect, the way that we collect it, the way that we display it and bring it to life is like everything from, you know, a brand saying, hey, we're new to sponsorship. Where do we go? Um, Where should we focus? Is it sport? Um, And a big part of our approach is that we have one common measurement system for every sponsorship property, whether it's a sport, music, entertainment, lifestyle, broadcast property, cause, charity, whatever it is, we use one methodology so that you can actually compare and size those uh, side by side because um, there's a lot of really interesting insight to be to be gained from that comparison. Sports is not yes, sports is of course a massive opportunity. It's where the eyeballs are, it's where you're gonna get largely the greatest reach because they have the broadcast deals. Um, however if you're looking for impact, if you're looking for a different way to reach people or to build an emotional connection, sports always isn't always going to be the only option or the best option. Um, So we advise kind of on where to go, um, what that looks like. We provide valuation assessment, which is entirely based on consumer data, not based off of just market pricing. We don't have these weird multipliers like four times because you're financial or Three times because your auto right. that are completely arbitrary It's based on consumers, based on how many people you reach, how many people you can actually conceivably impact, uh, and then we we go all the way to the end in terms of actual in market measurement of you know how are sponsorships performing, um, and providing counsel on how do you optimize that.
0: Perfect. So so that valuation part, so you help them figure out what will fit their. They'll they'll give you a nice solid brief. the brand you'll you'll give them data to suggest where they might want to who they might want to have conversations with and then if they come back to you and say we're talking to this property this music festival this sports event you can help um assess the value or what they should be spending on that partnership is that that type of work when you talked about valuation
1: yeah, so there's, our approach is kind of twofold. Um, one, we have built our own methodology based on the consumer data that we collect because we're actively collecting it every month um, that looked at consumer data paired with our deal database um, to basically provide brands counsel or and properties counsel on so like, deal how, much, database. How, much, how much should you be charging. But it's rooted in the consumers that you can reach and conceivably impact, which is what we're constantly collecting. The deal database is an important element. But we're not just cherry picking the top five percent of deals to inflate the price. We're trying to provide right. a fair market valuation. Um, the second side of our approach is we partnered with um, with a global company named Turnstile, who are we mm. believe the best in the business when it comes to valuation. Is that UK based?
0: Are yeah, they're UK based. Yeah, I was looking them up recently. But
1: growing, uh, growing go- global footprint. Oh yeah, so, very impressive. You know, when when we look at What they do and what we do, there's a really nice complement of we bring the consumer context, they bring the market context, pricing context. We jam those things together Mm -hmm. uh, into what we believe is the best of both worlds and one of the strongest ways to present a valuation for assets um, that gives you the context that you need to have confidence in the decision that you're making. Whether that's you pitching as a property or whether that's you brand looking and evaluating what you're getting and whether you're getting good value for the deal or not. Mm-hmm. um we uh we've certainly uh, seen that part of our business grow quite significantly especially in an economic downturn when everybody's saying well oh, yeah <laughs> are we getting the right deal um how do we optimize this deal uh and i think that it's
0: are um, are, it's are we continue to grow are we getting the right deal or or more and more i'm sure you're seeing i'm certainly seeing we've got a portfolio is it the right portfolio should totally. we be in all these properties what you know let's do an audit and figure out and And for a while now, but even more in this current climate, this this pairing back and going, you know, instead of going a mile wide and an inch deep, I'm seeing brands say, I'm I'm just gonna narrow my focus and really go deep. Is that consistent?
1: hundred yeah. percent. I think it's like, it's tough to do, right. When you look at like a lot of the brands out there who have portfolios that very quickly scale out to like 7,500 plus properties, when you look at like the regional or the local properties that they sponsor, it's like, it's incredibly difficult to look at that and to actually get true measurement on like what's the reach frequency curve of this portfolio. But a hundred percent, like you have, people have to be looking at like how do we divest frankly from some properties that are just like not getting even the attention that the property deserves. Um, <laughs> (laughs) So it's, I think it's definitely, you know, something that we're seeing more and more of. Um, I love the, the, the topic of sponsorship cancellation. People and brands, and I was there too, are like, oh no, what if we, what if we abort and what if we get out of this sponsorship deal? Like consumers generally do not care. It is not going to generally hurt you. Yes, there are, of course, exceptions to the rule. If you are deeply connected, deeply rooted to the property, it may. But with Pepsi and them bailing out of the halftime show um, for the Super Bowl, it's like right now. Yeah, yeah, we looked at it and like consumers don't care. They're like, hey, thanks for the times. And Pepsi, we just finished our... uh, our impact report on pepsi's performance with the nfl throughout the the season and they're one of the top performing brands in the portfolio still so like mm. we have to like remind ourselves that like consumers don't live and breathe like what every brand is doing day in day out right they're yeah. like what have you done for me and have you added value to the way that i engage with this sport or this property or this charity and and that's the the biggest part of it
0: that's a that's a fascinating point because there is there are there's a school of thought that says we will think more favorably of your brand and we will drink more of your product if you support the properties we love. In this case, if they're still a, par- a partner of the NFL, but they're just not doing the halftime show, I think they're still there, but it's kinda, yeah, what you're saying is it may not be as as uh, directly tied as, well, as some wanna and think. Here,
1: here's a funny thing. like let's talk about
0: diminishing I might not returns. I might not release this actually. yeah <laughs> <Thank
1: you. laughs> no I know but this is it this is, these are okay. like this is yeah. where it's like it's these are the things that people should be talking about like what about diminishing returns you sign yeah. a 10 to 20 year deal if you do your job well from a brand activation perspective you're gonna top out so yes oh, yeah. okay got it like the market and a lot of what properties are asking for are escalators year over year and I I get that like I get it inflation makes sense but it's like at some point the brand is now paying for what like you've topped out pepsi can't go any higher in terms of its like where awareness and impact through super bowl halftime shows so why continue to invest that much like it would be uh i think wise for brands to look at these long-term deals with like an arc of saying Uh okay well we're going to increase our investment for the first three to five years then we're going to plateau and then we're going to level out yeah and why would a property say no like you're yeah. managing expectations, you're ensuring that like you're being fiscally responsible with how you're investing your money. Um, but it's it's not really being done yet.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, that's great. that's great insight. Um, and then so brand, properties, properties, you know, and and I I, I talk about it this way. I, i'm I'm certainly focused in my business more on properties, but by focusing on properties, my day-to-day and week-to-week is in the business of brands, yeah. right? Because it, I've got to bring them solutions, uh, you know, and, and uh, it, that's the only way we're going to be successful for the properties we're helping. But w- what do properties, what are they thinking about these days as as they come to sponsor Pulse?
1: I think it's uh it's been really interesting to see how the like the overall industry evolves and the importance that is being placed on insights to drive the narrative and to get get the meeting to convince stakeholders on the brand side that like this is a good opportunity to speak to like target efficiency so i think a lot of it's like prospecting isn't just like picking up the phone and calling somebody like you can use one of what 150 different tools out there right now to go mm-hmm. find like the right name, the right email, the right phone number. But at the end of the day, it's like, what's the story? Like, is there mm-hmm. a narrative here that's relevant to me? So I think there's that element of it, which is like it's quality over quantity in terms of the outreach and what you're saying, what you're speaking to and why they should you know, return the the call um so that's a, a big part of what we do our platform is something that a lot of properties leverage on their own um, cuz it's built to like empower smaller professionals to be able to make those decisions build those narratives on the fly um and then there's a lot of it that's like looking at the valuation and the the measurement side to say how do we how do we ensure that like we're bulletproof yes Right. Love, love like, that point. Like, and, and I think that like the days are defendability,
0: gone. right? Yeah. The, God, I, the, I tell people you've got to be able to look them in the eye and defend, yeah. not blink a hundred times when you give them that praise. Totally. And listen, yeah. like, I've
1: been on both. I've sat on both sides. I'm sure you've seen both sides. I'm sure most people in the industry have mm. seen or sat on both sides where you're a property and you're like, how much can we get out of this brand? Mm. And mm. it's like, it's not even based on like fact or it's just like, well, what do we think that we can get out of them? Um, and that's not working. Like, it, it, like people are calling it uh, as they see it. And I think that, you know, there's a lot of that credibility factor that's that's quickly kind of that's evaporating. Um, the other thing that we're seeing is, like, property side, and I understand why, but, like, there's a lot of this conversation or uh, there's a ton of value in the market globally tied to media banks or value banks.
0: Yes. And it's like these,
1: these nondescript buckets of millions of dollars that brands are signing off on. And it's like, yeah, yeah, like we'll figure out what to do with it. And I'm like, I get it. You're not gonna necessarily have everything fleshed out before you sign the deal. But like, there's no commitment to like uh, a frequency or a production component or an impression delivery. It's just like, this is these dollars that sit in a bank and you're like, what do we actually get out of that? Yeah. Um, so we're seeing a lot of properties start to like, think through how do we structure our deals in a way that they're easier to defend? Um, and that when you're going and having the conversation with a client, you're not spending, you know, two, three, four, five weeks or months spinning on like what are we actually getting. Just bring the solution and give them the answers that they're looking for.
0: It it, um, it, it makes me think of you know in a in a challenging time like we've just been through and we're still in. Let's be yeah. clear, right? <laughs> uh, with the looming threat of, you know, recession um it's a tricky time for brands right now and thereby for properties a value bank being and you're right very common term and and i've talked to a number of brands that talk about it with with actually uh, uh joy like uh, you yep. know i've got this big value bank but the risk is is if it comes time to pair back and you've got this big asset sitting in an undefined Space on a in a contract, it's easier, I think, versus to get rid of that, versus or negotiate that out or down, versus if it's tied to a specific initiative activation program. Does that make sense?
1: A hundred percent. I it's like it's it's it's. it's exp- I get why it's been built. I totally understand yeah. that. Um, but it's like, it's risk and it's exposure for the property. And it's also mm-hmm. risk for the brand because the brand will either say at the end of the year, like, what did we actually get for that? Yeah. Um, and then it's like this and we see it all the times, it's this like back and forth of like throwing data and paper at each other around like, yeah, well we did this post and that post and this many impressions and like, that's the value bank. Um, but it's like, it's like, why would you sign a deal with a nondescript undefined asset? Like it's not yeah. an asset.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and and it, it just makes me think before we pivot off, this is for years, hospitality was treated that way, right? It's a, you've got this big suite of tickets or hospitality hosting and nobody in the company at the brand side was in charge of maximizing and utilizing. So you get to the end of the year and somebody says, did we use it? <laughs> like, who did we use it for? Was it yes. like, how did we track? You know a great a brand that did a great job of that back my days at golf canada bmw at the time was a partner beautiful hosting every year 15th hole Glen abbey but kevin marcotte and his team had a science behind how they used it and tracked the the impact it had on potential buyers or renewals of of people who who drove a bmw so there are best practices but a lot of brands don't don't put that rigor yeah, I should um, say it's also it's yeah.
1: easy to throw stones when you're sitting in the middle. So yeah, yeah, true. <laughs> I say true. all of this, and it's like I, I know yeah. that it's different when you're executing and whether so, you're selling so. or or activating. But
0: no, but uh, but I think it's driven. But it's worth talking place, about. It's worth talking about, and it's driven from a place of, of of wanting to help the industry be better and and improve and optimize. So you touched on mentors, um, some names there as you were like Jim. Jim's name came up and. Um, talk about some of the people that, um, you know, Mike Armstrong, yeah. uh, that, that kind of inspired you along the journey, maybe still do.
1: Oh my goodness. Yeah. Well, I think I've just been, um, it's been weird, I think for everybody over the last two and a half years of not really having that, um, individual connection or the social connection, um, that you usually got from work. Um, but I think i'm I'm very like fortunate, or I, I believe I'm very fortunate to to have still like maintained um, a lot of like great relationships, friendships. Um, and you know, uh, one person who certainly comes to mind is um, someone I worked with at CBC Radio Canada for years and who I'm still uh, in touch with uh, all the time. Her name's Betty Chu. And uh, she's one of the uh, one of the brightest people I've ever met. And uh, I think you know she's helped me through personal through professional uh times in my in my career and has always been just like a guiding light um and to the point where like my family knows betty's name Mm -hmm. they they ask how she's doing right like Mm -hmm. we're we're, we're kind of that close and Mm -hmm. um and i think that it's you know it's luck of the draw sort of in some ways in terms of you end up in these organizations and uh, when there's somebody who's, you know, extending that olive branch and who is willing to help, it's like, you got to jump at it. Um, yeah. And you got to, like, build that relationship. And um, I think that that's why I'm still in this industry, to be honest, is, like, the exposure I've had to to people like Betty, like Jim, like Mike, um, Don, obviously, as somebody that I yes. work with day to day and who, so you smart. know, Don, Don and I will battle head to head on a lot uh, in terms of our perspectives, but...
0: Um, Expect nothing less, yeah. He's, but he's, 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 br- he's brilliant,
1: right? He's I brilliant, and he, and he challenges the industry. Um, and whether you know, whether I liked three years ago when he was out talking about how esports isn't a big thing, like, and people and and uh, and like, listen, it's like, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's to not, slip it's, that. but it's, I have to because it's like, it's not just <laughs> provocative for the sake of being provocative, I think it's easy to label it that way, yeah, but it's not like there's data that that people should be looking at to say, is it really as big? As what we hear in the news, because the news props up the things that are shiny and things that are new. As you That's, say it, I I'm, I'm not that saying that esports isn't that. a thing. So no, I know that. I believe I in gaming. The, um, yeah, yeah but that. Uh, yeah. but yeah, no. So I, all that to say, I've been very lucky yeah. think, to, to surround myself with great people. I think the the biggest thing that I see now, um, and that like I'm trying to figure out, is um, young people who are coming into the workforce who don't don't necessarily have like the physical space mm-hmm. or the mandate to be in the office. Um, I fear that people are missing out on like that mentorship well component. And um, and we're trying to figure that out. We're, we're remote first business we've got, and we're not a huge team, but still it's like, you see people, you know, once a quarter and it's like, There's that's, only so that's not enough. That.
0: There's only so much, people won't see this because I'll release the audio there's only so much of that wallpaper behind you that, that people <laughs> can stomach. I get it, you know? It's true,
1: it's true. <laughs> yeah. Although it's a beautiful wallpaper.
0: It's, um, it, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll agree to disagree on that.
1: <laughs> but, uh, but no, it's totally true. I think it's there's there's that component where I, I fear that there's a, um, if you don't know what you're missing, then you you don't know. Um, but, well, but people like us know, like I've been, I wouldn't be where I am today if it weren't for the people who have guided me along the way. And um, and uh, and I wouldn't have had that without the physical like social connection uh, that uh, an office space uh, can it's create. Awesome.
0: It's awesome. Yeah. There was, uh, I don't know if you saw this, but you're making me, you're, you're speaking exactly to um, uh, what I read the other day, you know, as a lot of these reports are coming out, articles about big company CEOs saying it's time and they're not saying it's time to come back to a five-day work week. It's just when we said that we want you in the office three days a week, it's no longer going to be self-policed. You've yeah. got to be in. And one of the reasons that was common throughout, whether it was from Disney or Starbucks or or whoever, was and I thought it was a great insight. Uh, it wasn't just the collaboration word. It wasn't just you know the productivity word it was the professional development they're saying that people are missing out of from just witnessing how others act perform talk um you know just behave on a day-to-day moment-to-moment basis and uh, that's what you're saying here and i agree it's going to be a big miss if people for those who strictly work remote
1: Totally. I think there's like a, there's a mental health component to it as well. And I can speak to that myself. It's like to go from, you know, interacting with people live every day. And yes, I understand the pandemic totally like kind of ripped the, you know, the rug from out, uh, uh, from underneath all of us. But now that we're kind of able to be back live in person, um, there's like, it's a weird transition when you think of like two and a half, three years go by where you don't have that exposure and like trying to figure out like, wait a minute, like, i'm like odd in social settings now so how do how like but seriously it's like how do you kind of revert back right so yeah, not uh, everybody
0: the- you're right not everybody is comfortable even pre-pandemic in yeah. normal times. so it's a fair fair point um so let's see where it goes yeah absolutely um let's shift to um i'd love to just get your your take on some partnership initiatives uh, sponsorships whatever you want to that have just stood out to you that you're particularly, uh, you yeah. just think are cool or interesting or proud of?
1: Um, yeah, there's so much out there, right. Yeah. Um, there's a couple of like interesting things. It's like I, I picking look-
0: your, it's like picking your favorite wallpaper. I uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> exactly. We might not agree. <laughs> um, but, uh, no, I like, I love the, uh, just like the, the intersection of where we see like sport culture, uh, music, charity, like purpose coming together. I think it's just like so, so powerful. Um, I I had the like the privilege of working on RBC training ground for a few years and to see where that's grown to um, for those who don't know, like a program that RBC runs with um, the Canadian Olympic Committee. Um, and the Canadian Olympic Foundation uh, to literally identify like the next generation of Olympians. and the next Kelsey l- Mitchell. Yeah, and like literally, like to think back to where that started and to see that since it started, there's literally people who are identified who have won gold medals at the Olympic Games is just like completely fascinating. Um, I think it's an incredible program. Uh, I'm definitely, I'm definitely a little biased, but to see what, uh, RBC is doing to invest in those, uh, young people who have so much potential, uh, and to like unlock and to open their eyes to a pathway, I think it's just like powerful. Like you think of like sport, it leverages, obviously their association with the Olympics. It's definitely got uh, a purposeful and a, and a kind of a, a social component to it in terms of, you know, helping young people find their path. Uh, I think that that's oh. just like a rich space. Um, Love like everything that's happening in the world of just about everything that's happening in the world of entertainment and like the cross-section of, uh, I just started watching the test, which is uh, on Amazon, but it's about like the uh, Australian men's cricket team after what happened after like a a ball scandal. Anyways, it's like, it's fascinating though to see how sport and the behind the scenes and how they can take you through and tell you a story about like the personalities. Um, And you get such a deeper level of appreciation, I think for, uh, for how how these different teams are composed and like the layers, which which I think is really fascinating. Breakpoint was obviously a recent uh, release, and we've got the the yes. Netflix Golf one coming out soon, which is I think fascinating. So it's just neat to see like how the world is evolving and how like you've got to be in those areas to be relevant um one of the ones that i love that's like out of country um and i'm probably gonna get some of the specifics wrong so it, I'm just gonna call, it, call that what it is but i believe it's a it's a club called the green rover green rovers it's a football club uh out of the uk they started in like a lower tier flight and they've like been working their way up. But like the entire premise of the club was like, it was built around sustainability, everything mm. they do, everything in their stadium, um, the jerseys they wear, the partners they bring on, like everything is like truly, completely, truly, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And like the club's now climbing and it's growing and it's gaining momentum. <laughs> and I'm like, what a fascinating thing to see. Um, so I think as, as brands and properties are, are looking at like, you know, what truly is the impact that we're leaving on the world? Um, which I know is a hefty question to to ask. Um, there's more and more of that opportunity, and more and more of these programs that are going to come out um, over the next while that I think will harness kind of the power of multiple passion points and you know jam them together, which is where you can get into some really exciting stuff.
0: and And so that's a great pivot to the the second last point I want to cover today, which is just developments, innovations, trends in, in partnerships and we've talked about one there which is uh, purpose-driven partnerships and I'm sure that's a central theme I always say in the training work that if you don't go to a brand uh, like we'll just pick on Canadian Tire and say we've got an opportunity to help you amplify JumpStart, if you don't go to Bell and say we've got an opportunity to help you build out Bell for Better and Bell Let's Talk or or, you know, uh, Hellman's with a food rescue or Purolator with the food rescue tackling hunger. Shame mm-hmm. on you, right? Yeah. So so that's got to be a central uh, aspect of what you're measuring and tracking these days and helping brands and properties figure out. And, and that talk to that maybe if there's anything yeah. else that's just bubbling up these no,
1: days. No, totally. I, like, I love that um that topic and it's one that we continue to kind of like try to wrap our heads around Is like how do we continue to um to push the industry what insights do we need to provide to like help people see and realize just the power that exists there we track charities we track causes and causal territories just to be able to draw like parallels from like sport properties to causes and charities The difference is, you know, a charity rarely has the reach and the intensity or the frequency that a brand is looking for because it's not on broadcast every day. It doesn't have, you know, the ongoing engagement, the social channels that have millions of people that are engaging with them. However, when you look at the potential to actually impact people who are engaged with those causes, it's a hell of a lot higher than a lot of sport properties. So when you look at like at the end of the day, it comes down to dollars invested. Right. And if you look at what it's going to cost you to invest in, you know, property X in the sports world, and I'm not picking on sports, just like the reality is that's where literally 75% of the money is. But like, if you look at what you're going to invest in a sports sponsorship, And then you look at what the impact could be that you could have by investing a fraction of that Mm -hmm. in a cause or a charity and building a program from the ground up or collaborating with a charity on building a program from the ground up. Like, yeah, it's going to be harder, but like that is what that is what it's going to take for us to continue to push the industry forward. Right. And I think that having the data there to help prove and identify it like that narrative, and that storyline, it's like it's rooted in fact. You want to yep. impact people causes and charities is an incredibly powerful way to do that. And it doesn't have to, to exclude sport or music or other passions, but how do you bring all those things together uh, in an impactful way? Um, we did some research right after bell let's talk. Cause we were really curious to see how consumers felt about like the donation format change, right? Cause they went oh. from consumer engagement, text, use bell let's talk and we'll donate every time to basically saying like, we're just going to make the donation. Um, and I think that like, you know, We'll see how it plays out over the next several years. But one, the donation that they made is significantly higher than what they raised last year. So that was an important point just to kind of call out. Because people,
0: yeah, could be skeptical. Yeah,
1: exactly. Dialing back. But generally, consumers were really like quite positively, like they didn't. They didn't see much of an issue with it, right? It was just like a different donation format. Uh, and I think that that might be also, and I don't know because I did not work with Bell on this, but if you look at like a, a program plateauing and essentially saying, okay, you know, how much money were they investing in, in actually marketing and advertising that campaign? How much were they investing to have spokespeople who were out there pumping it? How much were they investing with, you know, the social platforms to have different engagement vehicles? And instead of essentially doing all those things, they probably said, listen, the program has eighty-seven percent awareness across Canada, yeah. which is which is phenomenal. Um, and so, instead of investing in all those things, they probably said, "Let's just make a bigger donation and call it what it is, and let's see mm-hmm. if we can sustain or maintain." Would be my guess, and and that's a really smart um, smart way of doing it. Um, great of perspective.
0: Course.
1: So we'll see, but um, but I think that there's you know there's some great examples out there of brands that are pushing the envelope and doing things differently um that we can all kind of take stock in and and see and use as kind of guiding lights as to okay well what what could we do um that's in that space
0: yeah and and just picking on or sticking with the bell there has been and it's hugely important to me personally our families uh deals with significant mental illness challenges and so that program has always been near and dear and I, I applaud any organization that's going to shine a light on something that is it, it, it so needed and so underfunded. A cause like that, so many causes. Um, and I think we don't know how big the mental illness, um, uh, you know, issue in, in you know globally is because yep. not enough people talk about it. So hats off. Yeah. But there's been a sentiment recently, I find, in the last few years, that's almost shifted a little bit negative. And I just I have a tough time with that. I'm always defending it, even though I've got no no horse in the race other than I believe in the cause. Yeah. Well I
1: think I think it's it's funny you say that one thing that is very I want I have to call out. So because we track properties across every facet, every passion point, we track mental health research and support as well as anti-bullying as two causal territories. If you look at of more than 550 different sponsorable properties in Canada and the U.S., and you look at the properties that have the greatest potential to drive brand preference and favorability, mental health research and support in Canada is the number two property. Number two mm. of over 550 properties that wow. we've measured. It, it kicks wow. just about every sport property out of the water, blows them out of wow. the water. In the U.S., it's ranked seventh anti-bullying is just just a few spots behind but i'm like that even just that context to say like this is a massive opportunity it's a massive need um and it's particularly young people that drive yeah um and i think to your point it's tough you know when you think of like a bell like of course bell's always going to be in the news for a multitude of other things and every company like no company is going to be you know flawless yeah, uh, and I'm not. I'm not saying that everything that Bell does is right. I'm. I, I'm, yeah, I'm a Bell customer, you. and I have plenty of issues with Bell. Yeah. So, but at the end of the day, can we just like can we isolate what they're doing for That's a moment, it. and can we just focus on the fact that like this is actually creating a tangible benefit for all of us? That yeah. if they didn't do who who else was going to do it?
0: Who That's else can find 10,
1: ten million dollars a year to invest in businesses that are helping? I hope they in inspire mental more health.
0: companies, yeah, to do the totally. same. Um, who's so. number one?
1: Uh, what,
0: what, cost, what? What What category?
1: Yeah. Um, that's a Did good question. I Sorry, I, I yeah, think it's no, no, no. It's a good question. I think it's yeah. children's hospitals. Um, yeah, but I'll that confirm. Would make sense. But it's like yeah. they're they're literally like you look at the top properties, and it's like yeah. the first twenty are all causal territories that yeah. people have a strong affiliation to. So there's a ton of opportunity there for brands to like take take a stance and stand for something. I mean, every brand is out there now is just like, well, we have this pillar and that pillar and this pillar and that pillar. It's like, yeah. stand for something, go at something the way that Bell has done and, and stand for it. And uh, I think that the the benefit is not only just going to be realized by Canadians for what you're supporting, but I think consumers will take note.
0: Love that thread. Let's wrap with, and I, I apologize, I know we're over no, uh, all the good. hour mark here, but uh, uh, it's been a wonderful chat, really great insights. Um, Professional development advice. I just, whenever I talk to successful people, I'm talking to CEO of a, a successful, you know, insights uh, and and measurement research company here. What do you lean on? What do you what what's helped you get there? What do you recommend people do to to build a successful career?
1: Oh boy, that's uh, <laughs> I wish I wish I had the answer to that. I could just ask you. Um, uh, there, here's my the latest um i would say first and foremost uh figure out what your values are um, as an okay. individual which i know is hard work uh, i'm still working on that and hmm. go find a company or people mentors that share those values um and if you do that then at the very least you know you're going to be surrounded by the right people and that's invaluable because of how much time we all spend working um oh. so i think value alignment is like the most important thing um Don't for a second believe what people at academic institutions who are incentivized to tell you or to tell people that they have, you know, 95% placement rate out of school. Don't believe what they tell you about, you know, there's four paths, pick one. Um, It's never a straight line, at least rarely is a straight line. So, uh, you know, explore, go. I wish I had explored more uh, and I've bounced around a lot in my career. Um, So go explore and, and figure out kind of what um, what makes you tick and what makes you excited? Um, and if you can find excitement in your work and value alignment with people you're working with, I think you're going to be uh, you're going to be very, very successful. And the last thing I'd say is I was like, stop going on LinkedIn so much um, because it's uh, it's very quick to um, to look around you and to be like surrounded by like, wow, everybody is just killing it out there. Yeah. Um, everybody's raising money and everybody's getting promoted and every company's doing this and that. And like you very quickly can put yourself in a position where you're like, what the hell am I doing wrong? Um, and it's not it's not you. It's just uh, this is the world that we live in. And it's like being able to label that, identify it. Put it in a box and you know i'm not saying don't use linkedin but it's great uh, but, certainly, but it's I'm great assault like, assault yeah, theory, like right? use it less uh, and i'm certainly trying to do that myself because um just focus on what's in front of you have fun doing it and uh the rest is a gravy
0: love it that's uh you're the first person who's who's but a bunch of that advice uh, i haven't heard others and you know i've got like 40 or so of these episodes where I've 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 heard some great advice and I love it when I hear a different twist and that value alignment, and you nailed it. Get, getting there yourself is a, is an interesting and challenging exercise, but it's hugely worthwhile. And and you know, you talked about your career and and the movement, and and but I see it as very purpose-driven. Like I see a thread that each move seemed to add something to your portfolio and your skills. And it helped you get to an amazing place. And and you know, if you move with purpose, I, I've always said there's that, there's nothing wrong with that because who's to say we should find our landing spot early on, right? So totally. I think I think you've done a great job. And and really, this chat's been uh, really really cool. Oh, I
1: appreciate yeah, it. Thank you thank for you. the time, Gavin, and uh, thank you for doing all that you do to give uh, people in our industry more uh, insight uh, behind kind of the curtains of uh, of what's going on. uh, And thank you for continuing to push us all forward.
0: Awesome.